Welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Christian Buckley, and this is Wasatch Amplified on the Collab Talk podcast, highlighting people and companies along Utah's Wasatch Front. In this episode, I'm talking with John Richards, an entrepreneur, investor, and the CEO and founder of Startup Ignition. Hey, this is Christian Buckley, and this is Wasatch Amplified, and I'm here with John Richards. John, thanks a lot for joining me today. Why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background? Well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really honored. So uh, my background, just a little bit, is I'm a tech entrepreneur uh, turned angel investor and then turned educator and mentor. So um, my career, uh, I was raised in grew up in the Seattle area, but came down to Brigham Young University to go to school. And at the end of my education, where I thought I was pre-med, I decided that business was my real love. And so instead of going to medical school, I went back to Seattle and got involved in the Yellow Pages industry. And so up in the Seattle area, I got involved in the print Yellow Pages industry, which was a great time in the mid to late 80s and early 90s because of uh, AT&T was broken into several parts by the federal government, creating a lot of opportunity. So I did that for about 10 years and grew a company, expanded from Seattle to Portland. And then uh, as, a, as a young guy, just learned a lot from doing that. Sold that company in the mid 90s because in uh, 1994, early 95, I was introduced to the internet and I launched the first ever internet yellow pages. And that took off for me after a year or two of messing around with it, figuring it out. Uh, when Netscape went public, uh, the dot com era was born and Seattle had a lot going on. And um, I partnered up with some folks from Microsoft and the company Infospace was born, which you may have heard of, and it's now called something else. But uh, we went public in 98, and I retired in 2001, and Brigham Young University called me up and asked me to uh, come down and teach entrepreneurship. So that was an interesting transition for me, and I moved down here in 2002 and spent 12 years at Brigham Young University, very involved in the venture ecosystem, was managing partner of Utah Angels, one of the only angel group for about a decade in Utah during the 2000s, and, uh, and invested in, as an angel investor in a lot of companies and just was really involved in that type of thing. I left BYU and took a weird two-year stint uh, because I helped Mayor Curtis of Provo sell the fiber network mm -hmm. to Google, and Google hired me to head up Google Fiber here in Utah, and uh, that was a fun, interesting two years. And then after that, uh, instead of going back and teaching at BYU, I help and mentor and invest in entrepreneurs uh, uh, through a boot camp that I started called Startup Ignition. And, um, you know, I've been real interested in continue to invest in just different uh, ventures. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and I, I participated in your uh, in your most recent uh, workshop, the overview of uh, of that program. Okay. And uh, so it's great to see see the model. I've actually, uh, I, separate from this discussion, I've got some other questions for you, but uh, uh, about that, it's, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm really a candidate for uh, the, the program. I'm just, but I am interested in some of the, the methodology and some of the background. Maybe that's a, future discussion uh, more in depth around that. But something else that just kind of popped out to me. So you you came back here to the Utah area, you said 2002? Yes. So, it, and what's interesting, so I was here for a year in 2005 and my, my kind of look around at things and I considered for a short time, we lived in Alpine, 
Uh, I was consulting for a, a company uh, based at Thanksgiving Point, so here in, in, in Lehigh. Um, and, but looking around the, the technology landscape, and my concern in 2005, I said, it, it really isn't that big. There's not a lot going on here. Like you mentioned, like the one, um, uh, the, the one angel investment firm. And I know that there was also, what is it, the Wasatch was another, uh, I don't know if it was a full VC or if it was an angel investment firm, but there's another fund that was, you know, active in the area, but it was very limited. And so my concern coming back to the area a little over two years ago and talking with some folks that were, were here was I look if what's the technology landscape? What's the startup community looking like compared to what I saw in 2005? And I heard again and again from people that I knew that worked at, you know, Microsoft and Amazon and other places in the Pacific Northwest that had moved to Utah saying, Christian, it's a completely different place than it was 2005. So, I mean, kind of what's going on here from yeah. your perspective? Well, what's different? I, I think the Great Recession, uh, you know, about 80% of the wealth that was investing in tech startups before 2008 uh, came from real estate. And most of those investors really dried up and were really hurt for many years. So uh, it kind of purged out Utah and Utah had to find a way to do tech entrepreneurship and software startups in a different way. And and it was just really, really interesting. Of course, Omnitra went public in 2006, and that was a, an important moment in the history of tech. Um, uh, Omnitra was a world-class, world-leading software company, uh, one of the fastest growing in history. And so it um, uh, you know, was eventually sold to Adobe after going public, and that just brought a lot of attention. That was all happening kind of late 2000s as we were coming out of the Great Recession. And so this purging or cleaning up of Utah that happened from that, I think, brought a new landscape. And that's what we've seen. I mean, the entire ecosystem of how companies get funded, which companies get funded, really fundamentally changed after the Great Recession and the recovery from that. And Utah came into its own. It was a really interesting collision or convergence of a lot of events happening that has brought us to where we are in Utah right now. That's no, how I view it. it. It is interesting to go and look at in a number of different areas within technology. I mean, uh, looking at uh, your film, moving pictures. I mean, you know, some of the, the technology, the founding technology happened here in, in Utah. I mean, there's, there's so many, if you go and look at um, key, um, uh, um, you know, technologies and a number of different industries, but uh, uh, there's just a lot that's coming from this, this area. And, and yeah, part well, of it, if, you, if you go back and look at history, it actually, a lot of it started with Irene Research, which was the name of a, 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 a academic sort of uh, incubator of, of technology. That's where Novell came out of. And uh, Novell was kind of a first wave of a behemoth software and, and technology company in this area. And then, um, and of course, the wealth created from that funded a lot of future um, companies. Then there was WordPerfect. And then, you know, now we have Omniture, and now you see all the other comes happen. Now the newest one, Qualtrics. These are, when you have these successful companies and liquidity comes from that, then that goes back and circles back and feeds more entrepreneurship and more growth. And I think we're just getting, ratcheting it up each time we do this over the last 20 years, 
gets bigger and bigger. And matter of fact, the greatest times are to come, in my opinion, with the recent uh, exit of Qualtrics to SAP for $8 billion. We just had three new billionaires created last week when the money changed hands, and we're going to see just a lot of things happening. Yeah, and, and I know that you shared out on LinkedIn uh, the article, the, the Inc. Magazine article on surging cities, yeah. and Salt Lake City was ranked as number two. And of course, there's a response of a few different things. I know that there was uh, like the Princeton Review had listed uh, uh, both BYU and the University of Utah in the top 10 of the uh, overall for entrepreneurial programs. I think yeah. that's primarily undergrad grad school BYU is listed at number 10 I think and U of U at 19th uh, for graduate programs but again I'm like the culture I try to explain this to to people that some of the the, there are very significant differences just culturally if you look at the history of the state of you know culture that is like the well we're not going to expect others to do it for us we're going to go do it ourselves kind of attitude Right, the culture. I've been actually interviewed a number of times on this topic, and uh, there's some of the interesting things. Our predominant uh, religious culture here in Utah actually contributes to some of that. There's a real pioneer spirit, a do-it-yourself mentality. There's a real um, uh, lack of fear of selling, so we know how to sell really well. And uh, you'll see that. I mean, we have software companies that don't always have the greatest technology, but march ahead because they can actually go sell enterprise solutions and make so and get solutions sold to customers and revenues really happen and you know it's one thing to have technology but it's also another thing to figure out the business model and generate revenue from it and we tend to be good at that and and also you know just the the spirit utah county which is just south of salt lake city where provo is at and lehigh is at they it's it's the number one county in the country of startups per capita. Uh, this is really interesting. So there's just so much startup activity. Another side note to that, though, is, of course, we don't have enough capital to fund all of those entrepreneurs. So uh, while Silicon Valley has massive amounts of capital and also a huge number of startups, um, Utah has a huge number of startups, but not nearly enough capital to fund them all. And that's what is needs to be addressed and is being addressed. So it's obviously way better than it was 10 years ago and it'll be better 10 years from now. And, and I know you get this, this question. I'm sure you have uh, some thoughts around this, but you know, it, it used to be that, uh, look, if you want to, if you're in a tech startup, you have to go to the Bay area to get that funding. And that, it, it, you know, with you now have like the, the, the net, uh, a net loss per year, the last couple of years of, of people leaving the state of, of California, while it's still listed as the number one region, and it's, I think even in the ink list, it's, you know, it divides between, uh, you know, San Francisco and San Jose, but, you know, basically you have the peninsula the, in the Silicon Valley down south of that. Um, you know, is that still true? Do you have to go to one of those investment meccas to be able to get your business funded? Or can you do that successfully right here in Utah? Well, I think Utah has already made a worldwide name for itself in what we call B2B SaaS or business to business software as a service. If you take those type of enterprise business to business software as a service companies, I think this is really a home base for those. Of course, you've got, you know, Salesforce and Silicon Valley, which is an incredible story, but look at all the great enterprise software solutions that are happening right here in Utah. And a lot of that is because we've got the sales ability um, to really 
get it off the ground and going and it's feeding itself. I mean, we're getting more and more skilled people to be in these B2B SaaS companies at all levels of management. And that just starts feeding itself and we're growing the pie uh, here in Utah for that. So I think that depending on the type of technology company, you can get funded here very well. And look at the activity uh, in the venture capital and seed venture capital that's going on here for the right kinds of software-driven companies. And, and so kind of changing topics here over to the, yeah. the startup ignition, I think it, 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 you know, it's all related there, of course, but yeah. So as you're going in and, and talking with you know companies that are coming through that program, and I'm kind of the ecosystem. I know you have a lot of other conversations that are beyond uh, you know those people, those individuals that come through your program. But what are some of the areas that you see as uh, uh, instead of saying you know the weaknesses of startups that are coming through? What are the opportunities around? That's a Microsoft language for uh, putting a spin on uh, weaknesses. What are the opportunities that you see? With uh, with founders coming in, but like some, of, what are some of the gaps that you're seeing with those that are starting up? As far as the methodology, a startup going in and starting a business. You mean what what could be improved here in Utah? Is that what you're kind of asking? yeah yeah yeah. Well, definitely, um, Utah is learning lean startup processes, which is really important um, to make sure that we. When I first arrived in Utah, there were countless companies raising three, five hundred thousand dollars to get launched. They burn through that money, not have any business model or viable business model at all, and then maybe they get a second round to try to keep searching for that business model and finding it. And that was happening just. 90% plus of the time. And I think we're getting more and more sophisticated understanding the concepts of lean startup that we don't need to burn through a lot of capital on the way to finding a business model that the capital we have can be preserved for the growth phase where we can step on the accelerator and fuel the post business model period of a company where it needs the capital just to grow. You and that's, think we would have learned that lesson though with the, with the dot-com era. I mean, that's, that's exactly, I mean, I, I saw that as, a, as an entrepreneur in the, during the time, you, you see these people, you know, the, these young guns raising, you know, millions of dollars and, uh, and there was nothing about what they were going and doing. And so many, far too many. And, and then of course we saw it again in 2016, 2017, 2018 right. with blockchain based companies, right? Right. Yep. Or crypto based companies. That was and actually one of the conversations that you and I had, there was like a discussion around marketing for blockchain and, and, and you, you came in and said, well, there's no difference between the fundamentals are there. I, and I, my answer is like, John, exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. It was a bit of a bait and switch in the title of it to lure people right. in to say, like, no, nothing changes about that. But it's, so I like it when there's a, the market has some degree of, of shakeout because what it does then is it drives, forces people to go back and look at those fundamentals of, you know, who are my customers? What is our, what is our intellectual property that we're, we're building here? What could be protected? What is our process for going in, selling this, this product and showing revenue and showing progress over time versus, you know, hey, we have a vision for the future. Give us cash and it'll get us partway there. I think, I think all new technologies trigger, though, the Gartner hype cycle. And the Gartner hype cycle is where we, we have a trigger from a disruptive technology, and then there's a, a peak of inflated expectations, and that's when the investors pour it on too heavy and give 
money too early, too quickly, and in too large of amounts that actually destroys the companies because they don't figure things out. The constraint of not having enough capital actually is how a lot of things get solved. Um, when you have too much capital before you have a business model, you can squander so much capital. And then in the Gartner hype cycle, if anyone's familiar with that, if your listeners are, the Gartner hype cycle after the peak of inflated expectations, it really falls down and the bubble bursts and you have the trough of disillusionment and then it rises from that into the, you know, the um, slope of enlightenment where you really figure out how to use things. I think we're in the middle of the trough of disillusionment with blockchain-based companies right now. And we're going to see real companies emerge, just like we did from the dot-com era. Look at the great companies that, are, that exist today. Are A lot of those have been around for 15, 20 years are the ones that survived the dot-com crash and emerged winners with real technology and real solutions, even though there were a lot of flaky things, right? And you've seen that all the time. So Utah um, has a lot of opportunities to be a leader, not just in B2B SaaS, but other areas of technology, blockchain being one of them. Um, and so, you know, we've got a lot of talent here. Uh, you know, uh, just what we've got to do is make sure we focus on early development of business models that are real and then use the capital we do get. Um, you know, I'll tell a quick story of Garrett G with um, a company called Scan. Uh, it was interesting. He got 1.7 million from Google Ventures and they forced him to move to Silicon Valley and rent a very expensive office in San Francisco and hire a lot more people than he needed. And he burned through the 1.7 million pretty quickly. So then he was looking at another round and he was able to get another round from the VCs in Silicon Valley, but he realized that they were pushing him to, you know, go really fast and do things that caused him to need more capital. And instead, he said, there's got to be a better way. And he went to Europe and went to a London investor that didn't care where he was located, raised $7 million. And he relocated back to Utah and uh, reset the company properly and grew it some more and eventually sold to, to Snapchat for $54 million. That's kind of an interesting story because um, it tells you you don't need to do it in Silicon Valley and there may even be a better way here in Utah than Silicon Valley. And, and I think that there's, uh, along those lines, and you have uh, increasingly, you have these you know, institutional investors, you have uh, you know, very large companies that are looking more uh, at the, the the long game of some of the technologies, the companies that they're investing in. And so there's not then this push to have that 5X, 10X, 20X immediate, you know, um, turnaround to get your know, dollars back out based on the investment, but that they, again, my, my perspective of, of some of these having, uh, you know, been involved with a, a couple acquisitions of the last decade um, that these, you know, they're more interested in how it helps them long-term serve their client needs. Those are smarter dollars. Those kinds, of, I look at that as equal partnership is investment. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. uh, we also we also have the unicorns. Like it's interesting because you got to also right now we've got two companies in Lehigh, Podium and Divi, started by students at BYU, and. Uh, you know, I think Podium's recent valuation was over 400 million. It's only a three-year-old company. And uh, it's interesting. And neither of those two companies has like really super compelling technology, deep tech. They're software solutions. But where the compelling uh, story is there is that they s saw a problem, 
created technology for it and knew how to sell it to a mass market. And it's a, just fascinating to see, uh, you know, the, the growth rates and the early success of those two companies is kind of phenomenal. And there's other ones. Another one like Weave was interesting. And there's just a lot interesting things going on. There's a lot that you and I could talk about for hours. Yeah. Well, that's, that's always the difficult part is that there's, it's exciting to go and look at R and D efforts. It's, uh, you know, you know, companies, whether or not it's a company or R and D within a, a, a large established company to go look at some of these different things. And I thought that that was a point that jumped out in what you said yesterday in the overview for startup ignition was, uh, you know, uh, that exactly what you described is, is identify a problem and a solution that, that solves that and then how to go and sell that, you know, that, that concept, which seems pretty fundamental to, you're going to start a company. We used to always say this and um, I won't go into what my former startup was, my first startup, but there was a company, uh, I'm going to put them on the spot a little bit. We're good friends, but uh, uh, the CEO of this company, a guy named Tom Spangler started this company with a college buddy called nightlifewatch.com. And I, I, I'll be honest, and I've said this because I came across his old business card from like 97, 98 uh, in my uh, office materials. And, and, um, and I just thought, you know, the, the idea of this was that they would travel around and there's these young guys just out of college, travel around to all these uh, nightlife spots, these clubs, dance clubs, bars, things like that, and sell them this package where uh, you know, it had video capture and kind of all that live. So if you're traveling around the world and you're like, I just flew into Orlando. I don't know anybody in Orlando. I'm here for a conference. What's going on? You could go and you could look into all these clubs and see what's going on. Hey, that, that looks exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not you think that's a great idea to do, um, it, it wasn't very successful in kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, catching on. But what happened is they were, I don't know if they were, steps away from liquidating, finding a way out of this thing, but they were approached by somebody that said, hey, could that capture, like, I, I work for the city of, and I think it was San Carlos, California, so south of San Francisco there in Peninsula, and somebody stepped forward and said, hey, you know, could we use this for, like, our closed caption, like, for, to, to share our city council meetings, and, and he said, you know, yeah, you could do that, and very quickly, their whole business flipped, into that's what they were into that that's that space huge and they went they were sold they they went through a couple acquisitions he's doing very well retired uh he's an investor now but down out of uh, uh arizona but there's the point there is that they made a decision like we're in are we in the business of this lifestyle brand video club thing or are we did we create this core intellectual property and Let's look at the patterns of people buying it. Is that a viable business? Hey, that's a huge business opportunity that we just didn't affect. And so they pivoted over to where yeah. people would actually pay. The average, the average uh, startup pivots two and a half major times before it gets to a viable business model and often more times to get to the real winner business model. There's a local company here in Utah called 4UP, which makes golf management software for running golf courses. And they pivoted to that after starting in a different place in the golf industry. And it's just a fascinating story. They also are a good example of your earlier question about what does Utah do differently or what could it do better um, than the traditional VC raise a bunch of money and, you know, step on the accelerator real early. This is a company that's bootstrapped, literally raised very little money. The founders 
and the employees still own 85% of the company and it's a multi, multi-million dollar software company that has you know lots of money in the bank and is cash flow positive and it's a B2B SaaS company. And those kind of companies are also present here in Utah and they're very interesting because it's a very powerful position to have a subscription model and you've got lots of money in the bank positive cash flow and you've really you know dominated in your you know niche or vertical and uh it's that that's i think utah tends to be really good at that too sometimes we don't hear about them because they're not being touted by the vc community because they didn't take vc money right um, well and that's you know it, it's it's kind of funny it's, it's like the the old days of like publishing publishing a book and the idea is well you've got to go with a big name publisher and there are certain advantages Certainly, they've got relationships that are out there with PR and things that are out there, you know, but depending on what your goals are for that, I mean, the self-pub, you know, model and the, all the, the tools that are out there, you can have a professional end product. And if you're doing a lot of the marketing, it's a kind of a secret of, of publishing. And I'm a six-time co-author and you realize how much work that you, the authors do to promote yeah. the publisher. And it, com it comes down to simple math. Is it better to have, you know, uh, you know, 85% of a $40 million enterprise or 10% of a $100 million enterprise. Well, right. obviously the former is better than the latter in just pure math. And, you know, but there's a lot of other issues that go into all of these decisions. But what's exciting is that Utah is actually getting all kinds of these genre of companies and going down myriad different paths and lots of, I mean, like you're saying in 2005 or it was compared to today, it's just like night and day. I mean, Lehigh in 2005 was mostly sagebrush surrounding uh, right. Thanksgiving point. Yeah, exactly. Now, there was nothing around here, right? Yeah, about two or three years ago when I saw that Porsche dealership open in Lehigh, Utah, I go, what's going on here? And uh, you know, For me, it was coming back and seeing like the, the, the intersection there of Thanksgiving yeah. point, the flyovers and it's, yeah, uh, it's our, our favorite intersection. Yeah, if you, I, I'm fortunately or fortunately, I'm spending a lot more time in Lehigh, and you're up there, and it's the lunch hour. It's like two hour lunch because you have to cross <laughs> that street. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, John, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, and and for those that want to find out more about you, find out more about Startup Ignition. What's the best way to get in touch and to find out more? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take questions and help any entrepreneur. Um, you know, if you want to reach me, Jay Richards at startupignition.com. Startupignition.com is the website for information on that. And I'm happy to, you know, uh, Startup Ignition is a labor of love where I, I just organize my efforts to give back and help entrepreneurs. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it's a high value boot camp. We've had hundreds and hundreds of people go through it, never got less than a nine or 10 on the rating scale for it. So uh, obviously we're kind of over delivering on the small tuition that it, it costs to be a part of it. But I thank you for offering that. And I, but whether or not somebody takes Startup Ignition, I, I'm happy to answer questions by email from anyone. Yeah, and I'd say definitely, uh, you know, people to connect with John. He shares a lot of great info as well via LinkedIn. So it's another place to go and get some networking done. So, John, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.